Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Over the Bridge Podcast. My name's Bilal and I'm joined here today by a full cast as well as two very special guests who will introduce themselves in just a minute. But before they do, Kwaku, Patrick, Tom, good morning, how are you all doing? Yeah, good. Dude, that's, I'm just good laughing because, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> You're just happy today. It's a joke. No, no, just... Um, <laughs> Bill, I was very like, yeah, because we, we, we did that little bit before, but we had to restart and do it again. But it was like exactly the same, but just like several volumes higher. So I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, I'm good. I'm good. Um, yeah, it's been a been a bit of a week. Work has been very busy and um, yeah, just it's been a lot going on in the news. And yeah, it's uh, yeah. been a bit of a crazy one, but um, yeah, I'm I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. How about you guys? Morning, yeah. Um, funnily enough, it's actually been quite a quiet week, actually. So last week was crazy because we were launching, I think I mentioned yeah. in the last episode, actually, we launched one product that I've been working on for a little while. And since then, I just, I should actually taken a week off, honestly, just so I can chill yeah. out a bit. But um, now that that's out of the way, I'm a little bit more relaxed. Um, so things have slowed down a little bit, so... I'm good. I'm good. Um, can't good complain, man. It, man. Yeah. Glad to hear it. And Thomas, you all right? God, you haven't called me that full name in ages. I don't know what I've done to <laughs> upset you, Bilal. Uh, government name, morning. man. <laughs> yeah, full government name. Um, no, I'm good, man. I'm good. Um, I can't, con- honestly, life has been okay. I can't complain. Weather's been good. Um, I'm just going to go up to mountains after this. And... Uh, yeah, I'm I'm happy. How how are you, Bilal? I know you say we don't ask you that question, but we do. We'll ask it again. How are you? Do you know what, man? Thank you. Um, that's nice. Um, no, I've been good, you know. I've been good. The only sort of update in my life since I was last on this is I'm now a dad, which is fun. I've got a son. Um, he's a lovely little boy and all of that stuff. But other than that, he's, um, yeah, he's just awake a lot, man. He don't seem to let me sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, you've le- you've led the way, Bilal. You've set pace for us. I know, I know. It's probably your turn next, isn't it, Kweku? I think, yeah, my eyes on Kweku next. Yeah, Kweku is <laughs> your next, man. Who knows? Who knows, man? Ah, <laughs> uh, man. But anyway, speaking of my family, I am joined by two very lovely guests this morning. I have both my mum and my dad, which was a surprise. He just turned up today as well. Both of them are here today to join in um, in our little series that we're going to do where we're bringing members of our family to have that intergenerational conversation here today. So first off, I'm very proud to introduce my mum. Mum, say hello. Hello. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm Colleen, Bilal's mum. Um, yeah. Thank you. That's, <laughs> that's a great introduction, Mum. <laughs> other things as well. We'll get into that. And yeah. my dad, say hello. Hi, everybody. I'm Asif. Um, Bilal's dad, showing my age now. <laughs> Thank you. And the granddad. And the granddad, <laughs> which I can't get over. No, <laughs> like make them feel even older than they are within the last couple of weeks. But um, I think what would be really cool, because I speak to my parents all the time, I have quite a lovely, great relationship with both of them, is to sort of hear um, a little bit of your story, both of you, okay. sort of how you came to be, where you are in the world, tell everyone sort of a bit about your life story. And then I want to throw over to you guys, actually, because I think it'd be quite cool to hear 
what you lot have to say about my mum and dad and ask them some questions because I had a really great conversation. I know I missed the last episode because I was actually in the hospital as my son was being born. <laughs> um, where Kwaku's dad was just giving us some real wisdom and some knowledge. And I really liked sort of that conversation you lot had. So I was hoping Shout we could out, do Uncle a Daps, sim- it, yeah, I know, man. Shut up. Um, <laughs> I hope we could do a similar conversation today. So mum, I'm going to start off with you. Um, tell us sort of a little bit about your life and how you came to be where you are today. Well, my life, I've, um, yeah, I was born here and I was very, very fortunate to go back to the Caribbean, to Jamaica, really, in um, when when I was three years old. And I stayed there and did some schooling there. And it was a fantastic, fantastic time. Um, it's interesting because I was listening to one of your podcasts. You had a um, someone from Dope Black. Yeah, Dope Black Women. women. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I was listening to her talk about being in a country where everybody around you is black. Mm-hmm. And I was I was thinking, wow, yeah, that's exactly it. So, and even now, I reminisce and think, I'm so glad that I went to live in Jamaica and had my childhood in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. It was a fantastic time. Education was brilliant. And then I came back here and got a culture shock. (laughs) (laughs) It was like, whoa. It was drab and grey and horrible. Um, the, The time I came in, the sort of, early 70s was terrible for education and assimilating into the culture and the whole thing was just diabolical but anyway I actually met my future husband at school so it wasn't that bad wow. <laughs> yeah, so Bilal and Bilal's dad and I met at school we went to the same school and um, then after school I went one way he went another way and then, as they say, what is to be will be. We met up again and um, many years later, you know, got married. Along came Bilal and I just did life. Being a mum, being a housewife, a working mum, running and managing nurseries, worked with childcare all my life. Um, when I semi-retired, doing some volunteering work with my church, um, yeah, and keeping very, very busy and still working part-time, except now with lockdown, I'm not at school. So this is a very big shock for me, being at home all the time and trying to keep occupied. Yeah. So that's it in a nutshell, really. <laughs> Thank you, Mum. And, and like, just to be clear, you spent a lot of your career working with children, right? Yeah. Yeah. From day one. Um did my back in the day it was NNEB, so the you worked you got some two years training to work with birth to age eight, which is a wide age range from everything from psychology, child development, you name it, we did it. You know, I changed nappies, clean toys, um in the late later years doing budgeting on managing a nursery and staffing and human resources and hiring and firing people and yeah it's just <laughs> like madness I'm, I'm really glad I'm out of it actually <laughs> yeah but I've got a grandson now to sort of look forward to raising helping to raise 
Yeah. And that's why you're here to help yeah. me with the nappies. No, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> my dad, welcome, welcome. Tell us a little bit. Same, same sort of story, really, like about who you are, how you came to be, what you're doing today. Mm. Where do I start? Yep. Yeah. I actually was born in Kenya. And, you know, till today, I miss that country ever so much. I wouldn't have been there, been back there only once which was a treat by Bilal. Couple, oh, wow. Couple of years oh, ago. yeah, I remember this. Yeah, 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 yeah. You yeah. know, and I, it was a, a big a shock son. for me. <laughs> but, I was literally going to say the same. <laughs> when I came here in the early 70s, I was totally lost. Hmm. I used to get called some funny names. I could not understand what they meant. I used to go home to Dad and say, Dad, why are these people calling me these names? And all I used to get is, look, just close your eyes and mind your own business and walk away. Don't get into any argument. Mm. I mean, the weather, the people, it was just total shock for me because, I mean, to be around, how shall I say, white people, which I had not really seen much of in Kenya. Mm. It was hardly ever I used, you know, it was like once in a blue moon you might see somebody like that. And it took me, must be at least three, four, maybe even five years to get used to being here, mm-hmm. you know. And school wasn't very exciting, to be honest. I mean, we got chucked into this school. Um, yeah, tell us a bit more about that school. That school was weird. Everybody that came for no matter where in the early 70s mm. in Brent, was chucked into this, in this school. Whether you were highly educated or somebody who didn't speak a word of English, mm. you all got put together in one place. Mm. And you know what, I mean, somebody who knew, who could speak English, who knew, it was just like, I couldn't be bothered anymore. Mm. You know, I was not interested in education because I was sitting next to somebody in the same room who couldn't speak a word of English. Mm. I mean, they did not separate people in any way where the ones who were slightly higher educated and the ones who who, who, who couldn't speak a word of English. It was just terrible, you know, they just didn't care. Mm-hmm. When everybody got chucked into this one big room, yeah. you know, whether and you were all staring at each other, you, you know, you didn't know what language to speak to them in. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really. In, I you think know, we'll, we'll come on to. I guess it was this. quite an international kind of school because it was uh, children from all over, nearly all over the world there. Yeah, commonwealth. commonwealth, rather. Yeah, and I think you know? we'll, we'll come on to in this and, conversation a bit about education. You know, sort of, I'll be honest yeah. with you. I lost all my interest in education, so mm. that was me. I never really pushed education after that. Left school, did bits and bobs until. I decided I wanted a career driving buses, which was the most exciting thing. <laughs> I really, really enjoyed that. I mean, people probably think driving a bus is, not, but it's, it's a very interesting job because, um, well, in those past days it was. Nowadays it's not because it's totally different. I mean, you used to have people who come and talk to you. They were really friendly. Yeah. Nowadays mm. people just give you looks and get on and on. <laughs> Um, then I get onto driving tourist buses within London, 
which was even better. I spent years, I mean, that's when Bilal was born and I hardly used to see him because by the time I leave home, five in the morning, I'm getting home at midnight, you know, mm -hmm. I hardly saw Bilal grow up. But he used to actually, to be honest, his mom used to bring him up to me, up to Piccadilly Circus to meet me. <laughs> and I, you know, and I would take him for a ride on the bus. I'd say, that's it, Dad. You know, I'd say, that's it, Dad. You know, he's always working forever. But it was just one of those things because in the summer you had to work long hours because that's when, you know, all the tourists were here. And in yeah. the winter I saw Bilal growing up. And just that's how life went on until, you know, I eventually gave up driving buses because of uh, diabetes you're not allowed to drive buses you know they take your license away and then i did other bits and bobs eventually you know life just got on with me i just got old <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i've kind of medically retired now because i'm forever in and out of hospitals so yeah you know but at the moment thank god i'm doing quite well you know, yeah, amen. Uh, I don't know. I'm I, I'm not a big speaker, so that was a big. I, I leave, that was a big speech. Uncle, you're doing well. Like for someone who says you're not a big speaker, you're you're giving us a lot right now. Yeah, you know, he's, so, like, um, he's like when Patrick goes, oh, I just want to say one thing. One thing. <laughs> Take like five ten minutes. You know. Really? Um, I'm surprised. Me and Uncle I say should just do a podcast saying you know we don't talk much and then it's one hour. So. Uh, sorry. Thank you anyway. So that's that's my mum and dad really. Mm -hmm. um, I feel quite blessed to have had them. And as both of them said, and I think this is something I'd love to dive into a little bit more, both sort of hardworking career people. Yeah. yeah. In, yeah. Early days. yeah. in early days, it was just work and home. Yeah. Just um, make sure. I mean, I don't think I had any time off from work once I started working. The only time off I had was when I was on maternity leave with Bilal and that was only three months and it was I mean, again I mean being in a nursery I took him to work with me he was in the baby room I was in the next room and I used to go see him in my coffee break lunch break every you know try not to miss out on him I'd send my co-worker to go look at him as well so even the other day she saw a photograph of him holding his baby and she's like I remember going to see him in the baby room and he's now a dad <laughs> you know, so, you know and um yeah, yeah just hard working the whole time um when I, I was mean... ill I went back to work part-time and then went back in full-time work until I thought, you know what, arthritis is getting really bad and I need to sort of slow down a bit. But still kept on working in childcare field, running yeah. running an after-school club. To be honest, I mean, Bilal's nana played a big part in bringing him up. Yeah. If it wasn't for her, it would have been very, very difficult for us in those days. Mm, yeah. You know, I mean, he used to take him to school, you know, I mean, with us always working, mm. you know. Yeah, you know where when they said it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah, I mean, mm. well, we, I mean, obviously in London you don't have that village feel, <laughs> but we had that closeness with um, Bilal's nan, which is actually my aunt, my um, father's okay. sister. <laughs> so she just took over because my mom's in Jamaica mm. and um, she just stepped in and helped to raise him. He was staying over there 
staying overnight so she could take him to school in the morning if Asif was going up to work early. I'm on an early shift at work. Yeah. And yeah, so the childcare was shared, you know. Mm-hmm. So we were fortunate to have that support, you know. Yeah. We intend to do that same here now, Bobilan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Auntie, uncle, I just I want I wanna ask, um um how how do both of you end up in northwest london like that's, that's just curious oh wow yeah just how do you end up in brent like to begin with it's just, yeah you know... well um i think my yeah i was like um use a needle <coughs> and stick a pin somewhere no it wasn't like that my mm. dad um was living at his sister's house my mm. auntie's house and um so you know back in them days where remember when um, people from the Caribbean came over and everybody was like sharing one house Yeah, yeah? Mm-hmm. and everybody sort of paid rent so that they could pay off the mortgage and yeah, mm. yeah. so yeah, yeah. My, my dad had a room well a couple of rooms at my auntie's house mm. and she was living in Brent so when she came mm. here back in the 60s that's where she was but mm. back in the 60s when I was born my dad was down in Lambeth I was born okay. in I was born Dabby. in Lambeth yeah so he then obviously moved from South West London to Northwest. And um, when he then moved, we then moved to East London, which I didn't like because it was um, council. Wait, Auntie, where, where is East London? Where are you? Hold on. <laughs> oh, I'm, from I'm from East London as well. There, not a big fan of East London either. No, so I'm with no. you. <laughs> No, I didn't know this, Auntie. Like, where, where in East London were you guys? I didn't, I didn't know this. Stepney, to me. okay, okay, yeah. mm. okay. Stepney Green Mile End Way, and yeah, okay. like I said, yeah, I had a culture shock. Yeah, <laughs> I was in Jamaica, running up and down, going to the riverside, seeing the beach, and climbing mm. trees. When you come over here, and then you're squashed in a room in the middle of winter time, and you can't go out oh, anywhere. And your outside treat is kicking the um, autumn leaves. It's different, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then and then when you go to East London and it's council blocks that you're living in, and I thought, no, I've already settled in Northwest. I was going to school in Northwest. Mm. I'm not changing school. So I had to commute on the tube. Back in them days where people were smoking on the train, I'm I'm rocking up into into my classroom, smelling the smoke on my blazer and, you know, inhaling smoke on the way home. Back from, you know, Bronsbury all the way down to East London. So I did that, I commuted, and when I had the chance, I went back to live with my auntie. Northwest London where I am. North Weezy. Yep, that's me. It's interesting that what you said about, you know, Lambeth and then Northwest London, because often you hear of like Brixton and Halsden as almost the two big, Mm. well, used to be two big Caribbean hubs in London, right? And that's that's changing. But like to know that even from like in your life, having lived in, well, next to both of those places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what about you? Me? Yeah. Um, I virtually landed in Brent. <laughs> you know, I mean, what happened is, um, <laughs> um, uh, back in Kenya, we had uh, my, well, my parents had some very, very close friends. So when we, dad decided to bring us here, 
we came and stayed with them for a few weeks until dad could rent somewhere to stay and uh, basically that was Brent it was sort of a cancer green Halsen area mm -hmm. you know and then after that dad brought bought his property after maybe about eight months or a year and I ended up in Wembley Alperton so I've not really moved away from Brent, you know, I've just been... Yeah, over 45 years in the same yeah. place. Yeah. I've just been Wembley, Alperton, Neasden, Willesden, you know, sort of northwest London. Mm -hmm. I, I I get lost when I go south. <laughs> I really, I really... I think, I think we all do. There, yeah, there's, 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 yeah. Uncle, there's, there's a joke. To be there's honest, I about... feel like I'm in a different world. City. World when I get <laughs> yeah. It is, man. There's a different yeah. voice and everything. They have new you know, words. There's a joke that you need a passport to get to South London, at least where Kwaku lives. Like, it's just so far away. Like, you need a passport, you know. So. And then when, when you start going, like, places like Southeast, that's definitely a different word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I am totally and utterly lost. And normally I thought I knew every road in London. Uh-uh. <laughs> which, which bus routes did you drive back in the day? Um, they were all in Northwest London. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> there used to be a 16. Oh, man. Okay. Then there used to be a 266 from Hammersmith. Uh, a 245 that used to go all the way to Sudbury from Golders Green. 32 from Adjwear to Kilburn. Basically um, every bus in Northwest London. Uh, <laughs> yeah, any, any bus that came out of Cricklewood bus garage. Yeah. And then when I was doing the sightseeing, well, obviously that was within central London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, but yeah, so yeah. I did enjoy that because I, I mean, when I used to start driving buses, I used to drive those route masters. Okay. And that was the best, you know, yeah, yeah. You your conductor and, you know, that was the best. So let, let me ask you both something. I'm sure you guys will probably want to jump in here as well. Um, both of you moved to the country when you were in your early teens, correct? Yes. Yeah. And 14. for you, mum, you'd obviously lived here before, but had moved when you were a baby. That's right. But yeah. for you, it was your first time mm -hmm. coming to England. Before you came to England as a teenager, what had you expected to find? Mm. That's uh, a good question. I wanted I wanted to come back and visit my dad and my auntie, <laughs> so I wasn't I wasn't. So you hope you find them? Yeah, that was it. That's it. I wasn't thinking about the weather or actually no, I wasn't intrigued about the royal family, the Queen. It's a country with a Queen, mm. and um, to see Buckingham Palace, um, and you know you're little. That's what you think about, you know, and um, yeah. I didn't think that the country was going to be drab and dreary and um, I didn't think that people were going to call me, all right, dearie. And, you know, you go to the local corner shop in the East End and they'll be saying, all right, ducky. And I'm thinking, what the hell is a ducky? You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, you know, it is what it is. You just get on with it, really. Mm. Um, I tried to assimilate and did my own thing on my own take on what I think it should be but like I said without that upbringing of being in Jamaica phew, mm. I'm telling you um, I don't know what I would have done if I stayed over here the whole time seriously mm, yeah. it's very yeah. um your, your story um Auntie Colin is very like it's basically the same as my dad's except my dad was born in Jamaica but he came here in 1970 I think he was about 10 years old okay but he I remember one thing he said he used to say that always kind of like his sort of culture shock was like 
he got here and thought, why does everyone live in a factory? And <laughs> um, like he asked like his parents and whatever, and they said, why why do you think people live in factories? Like, well, every house has got a chimney because in Jamaica, <laughs> yeah. there's, yeah. No, there's no need for chimneys. There's no, yeah. yeah. So he used to think like, this what this place is weird. Like, why is everybody, why, why do we live in factories? Well, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean it's like um uh, is that book Small Island mm. when they when they describe about the colours mm, mm, and yeah. you know, and she she talks about the colours and then the greyness here and it, it's that stark thing. Mm. And on, unless you've actually experienced it, like like Bilal said, I was born here, but I went to Jamaica when I was three. Mm, mm. My early recollection of being here is sitting on my door back doorstep telling my cat that I'm going away. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I didn't remember what my dad looked like. I didn't look, remember what the house looked like or the garden or anything. I just remembered me and the cat. Mm. And then landing in Jamaica, I remember feeling the warmth. Yeah. And oh, it was late in the evening when my mom got me off the plane. Yeah. So I couldn't see the greenery, but I felt the warmth and I smelt. Yeah. So mm. then after that, you just wake up with this sunshine and. Do you know what? I, I, I even feel like back home, the colours are brighter as well. I can't explain yeah, it, but it's like yeah. the blues are more blue, the greens are more green. Everything is, yeah, everything's just like. No, but 4K. you see. Yeah, but Patrick, now I'm older and mm. I've got an allotment. Mm. Sometimes when I sit at the allotment and I see the blue sky, the proper, when mm. you're out in the fresh air, Mm. and see the proper blue sky mm. you know in in britain we do have blue skies mm. and sunny days you know but when you're little mm. and you landed here in the middle well late autumn mm. yeah. and you got a long winter you think uh oh you know what have That's i left <laughs> yeah. yeah there's never yeah. going to be a blue day and a, a yellow sky and you know the sunshine yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah that what? was it what about for you, before you came to England, what had you expected to find? I, to be honest, you just I followed the crowd. I, because I was the youngest in the family, yeah. I didn't know, I, like mum just said, I followed the crowd, I followed the family. Yeah. You know, I didn't know yeah, what I was going to expect, what I was going to look forward for. I had no, I didn't even have a clue. Yeah. You know, to be honest, because all I knew was I'm going on the plane. That was mm. it. Yeah. But you so know, did, the weird, weirdest thing I found was when we landed here and we were driving from the airport, and I saw all these grannies pulling these things behind them. <laughs> you know, well, the, and the, I, the, I could not the understand. Shopping trolley. Shopping, shopping trolley, trolley. yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I had to yeah. ask uh, the gentleman who was driving, I said, what is these things these women are pulling? You know? <laughs> That's so <laughs> random. Because, no, it was weird. In those days, every woman had a chopping trolley. And I, I, you know, coming from Kenya, you don't see these things. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what is this thing they're pulling? Why are they pulling these oh, things? Man. I found that very sort of... That's such a funny culture. My... You know? <laughs> it was just that's weird. Listen, yeah. that, those shopping trolleys, that's that, yeah, that story is, yeah, brings up... I, my, I grandma, my, grandma, my grandma has one because um, she loves going to Wolfenstone Market, but... 
it's when she used to get me to drag it and I'm like, girl, oh, allow yeah, it, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like, it's bad enough already that I'm, you know, I'm going to Wolf State Market with my grandma, but I'm dragging, and it's like the brightest, like, tartan pattern. Oh, oh, shopping so trolley. <laughs> yeah. Bro, my wife still wears, my, my wife still carries that today. She has like a black and pink polka dot one. She has a, sho- one. She has yeah. a shopping trolley. Yes. Fashion. I remember my mom used to when when we got settled. Their mom used to make me pull one. Yeah, the <laughs> worst. <laughs> that is the worst. Oh, don't run into any of your friends. Listen. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you would catch me doing that now. All right, shopping, shopping trolleys aside for a bit. Yeah, I want to <laughs> go back to something because this made me think. Um, in terms of the podcast, me and Tom, me and you did with Liana at Dope Black. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. she's talking about the education system, I yeah. think, in Jamaica being mm-hmm. really, really good. You, and yeah. then you mentioned as well that when you yeah. came to this country, yeah. the school that you, they put you in, it was like everyone who was just from anywhere that wasn't English yeah. was in the same school. Um, what did you notice about the difference in education from the countries that you came from? Right. Let, let me just sort of re- do a retake on what your dad said. Mm. I mean, in all fairness to Brent at that time, the school we got put into is the fact that Brent was wanting to fill it up. The school was changing from being a grammar school into a secondary comprehensive school. Right. So um, it was being tried, they were trying to sort of fill the school up. So there were other established schools around the area, Elstone, John Kelly and the likes. But... Um, the one we got put into, which was Brunswick and Kilburn, the um, it was any newcomers that was coming in, was let's put them there, let's put them there, and don't forget this is just after the time when they used to bus people out mm. of the area to send them to schools, yeah, because they had English as a second language or they've got some special educational needs or whatever it was, so. There was none of this thing of, oh, let's assess these children and streamline them into, you know, groups where, you know, the, the, the lesser academic people are in one group and we can give them the extra need and support that they need. And so it wasn't anything like that they were doing. So like your dad says, I mean, I was from Jamaica and okay, fine, us Jamaicans can be very like, we're Jamaicans and that is, and everybody else is small island. But I was in a school where, you know, there was people from Barbados and Antigua and St. Lucia, and I'm getting to used to these like, oh, wow, okay, there's different islands in the Caribbean apart from Jamaica, mm. you know, because, so we were so, so, so like really um, egocentric mm. on our own place. And then, like your dad said, you know, he's sitting next to people who don't speak English or they're speaking another language that he doesn't understand and in Kenya they were speaking English and he understood English perfectly so I then had to even start thinking hold on what language are they speaking Mm. and all this thing about all right so not all Indian people speak the same language Mm. and all of that sort of you know things that you're having to deal with plus the education where these teachers think oh my god I've got a bunch of foreign kids. They can't even speak properly. What are we going to do with them? And treat us all the same. And so the whole thing was just a mishmash of you either learned sort of thing, you know what, I'm going to get my head down and study my books and get mm. on and get yeah. an education. Or 
you just like my, like my husband did sort of think oh I don't know what they're doing here so you know what I can bunk off school I can mess around you know this is all different you know so I'm, I'm I just lose interest hmm. and I think that's what happened to a lot of us at that time in that school hmm. which is sad hmm. I was just going to ask auntie Colleen um for the students like yourself that you know you got your head down and decided to like really work hard how was that um how did your teachers respond to that did they look to encourage that or did they you know try to discourage you and kind of limit your your aspirations like what was the response okay when i first went to the school when when i came from jamaica i was at a school where i was doing spanish french english and I had the option later on in a um, further year if I wanted to do German. I came here and I was told, sorry, there is no languages. We don't do languages in this school. And I'm like, what? And I said, well, I'd like to continue with learning French. And they said, that means we're going to have to get in a special teacher to teach you French because we haven't got any of those. We can't give you the option of Spanish. We can't give you the option of any other languages. And I, I sort of insisted. And then it became, well, not many other people wanted to do French. So it it wasn't sustainable for them to keep a teacher in school just to teach me French. So that's it. Lost it. Wow. wow. Yeah. Um, and so because I have a home setting where my dad was like, yeah, you got to work hard. And, you know, my dad, bless his soul. Um, he was like... I was going to go to Cambridge when I was um, young and, you know, and all of the story. That's a different thing. Oh, wow, we've got a recurring theme. Yeah, yeah. yeah there is, isn't it? And then yeah. now this is the yeah. same. Okay, yeah, Wait, yeah, yeah. Dad had a very similar. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. it's wild. Yeah. It's and for him, well. yeah, mm. for my dad, it was like, no, you got to study and buckle down and, you know, try and, you know, study hard and it'll take you further. I think I had a conversation years back with Bilan and I said, you know what, if I'd stayed in Jamaica, my education and where I would have been would have been way too different to where I am now in my, you know, what I've actually attained. I'm I'm not knocking what I've attained. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. I think I've done a lot in my life and I'm really grateful for what I've achieved and you know the son I've achieved and his friends oh. and you know my friends and people at oh. church and I'm I'm I, you know but I also look back at it and think wow mm. you know in Jamaica there's nothing that you know was too the sky was the limit yeah, you know? yeah. but over here I think I got limited yeah and mm-hmm. I had to then go to evening classes at college to do some part-time evening studies when I was working I had to take on evening classes to do a degree in childhood you know all these extra things Mm. whereas I think in Jamaica I would have just gone straight through my education system right right through to uni and wherever yeah 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 it's interesting no go ahead ahead, Patrick I was just gonna say um it's, it's funny because um this in in this country um West Indian people in particular as well have been given this stigma of not um, valuing and not appreciating um, education. And it's such a, it's something that makes me really mad because um, obviously like we know back home, 
education is the most important thing for us in, in terms of a child's development. Yeah. Like we really yeah. value it. But also because knowing um, just from my own personal experience, talking to my mum and, and, and my dad, my grandma was, as well, like how this stigma of not valuing education is something that's actually been, um, it's it's been something that's uh, like sort of artificially created and imposed onto us um, to limit us because um, the same thing happened with my mum as well. Like she wanted to, um, um, she wanted to get into interior design and like she, she remembers at school, like um, all the, the black girls that um, went, went to see the careers advisors, um, they, you know, they had like their aspirations of what they wanted to be. Like I want to be um, a doctor or I want to be um, um, a vet, all these different things. And obviously um, the sort of the gender, aspect of it comes into it as well because they were all sort of forced to take on roles that were seen for not just um um people of color um but also women as well so like they were encouraged to become typists or nurses um or or secretaries that that kind of thing and my mum used to say like you know they really try to kind of kill our dreams and our aspirations um and yeah it's just yeah it's just mad i mean I I know this, but like just to to hear it again from from your mouth as well, it's just it's crazy how this sort of um, idea that West Indian people don't value education and you know we don't go to university and blah blah blah. It's just yeah, it makes it makes me really mad to be honest. But um, yeah. thank yeah. you, Auntie, for sharing your story. story. Yeah, Brampton Manor. Yeah, um, do you hear Bram- about that? Brampton Manor. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, th- th- they're they've got higher. Um, than um, Eton. I mean, yeah, higher, higher <laughs> Oxbridge acceptance yeah. than Eton. Yeah. That's crazy. Because <laughs> Brampton was like a... Brampton's in my neck of the woods. And yeah, it's like yeah. a... When I was growing up, it was like probably one of the worst schools in Newham. Mm. And then it magically just got transformed. They brought in one Nigerian head teacher who basically just took no <clears throat> prisoners, mm. fired a bunch <laughs> of staff, got rid of a bunch of students. was like, right, we're going to start again from the yeah. ground up. Mm. We're going to build it up. A bit like what, I don't know, like... It's a bit like what Jurgen Klopp has done at Liverpool with that kind of thing, like just build something. Like, not quite from scratch, but kind of. You know, but, um, but, uh, auntie, yeah. uncle, you you spoke about um, something earlier on about um, like the process of assimilation and doing what you thought was best at the time. Um, what what did that look like to you in terms of trying to assimilate into British culture? Firstly, and then mm. secondly, can you talk about um, any experiences of you know, racism, prejudice that you guys kind of um, had to deal with as you were growing up? Right. Asif, do you want to go first? No, you... Okay. I'm thinking because this is a sore subject. Yeah, assimilating for me meant, okay, at home, um, I was told you you study and you work hard and you concentrate on your education and whatever. Um, At school, I was mixing with um, people like, my husband here who was saying like oh you know we could go to the park after school and I'm like my, my dad and my stepmom wants me home after school you know none of this after school you know locking about you go home you uh, um you get change into your home clothes and you do your housework and you do your schoolwork. Yeah. um but when I went to college and it was a different thing. I was like, oh, I could go to parties. And, you know, after college and I'm starting to work, we were going to the wine bar. And, you know, my my friendship group got different. And, 
you know, and I'm like, okay, but still I was thinking, no, but, you know, I remember my roots. I know, uh, you know, my Jamaican roots and what I'm supposed to do. And But all along I was still sort of like not totally assimilated into uh, the British society, um, but acknowledging that, you know, there was lots of different people around. I mean, I was even saying to my husband the other day, I remember like doing a racism awareness training for work back in, I can't, this is so long ago, it was, I mean, the 80s. And I'm thinking, and even now, we're still, it's still having to regurgitate the same sort of thing in society. Society hasn't really moved on, you know? And the overt racism wasn't, I've never really experienced. I mean, I must say, I've, as a woman, I might have experienced something about sexism, but mm. the only thing I experienced really was once in a nursery where somebody turned up and says, he wants to speak to the nursery manager. And I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> and he looked at me and he goes, yeah, could I speak to the manager? And I went, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, yeah, could I see the man? And I'm like, I am the manager. Yeah. You know, and he was like, oh, and that was, to me, that's the only thing that st stands in my mind. The other things is like, you know, people might want to give you the change and put it down on the counter. To me, I'm just like, whatever, you know, it's, it's your problem, not mine. You know, I'm bigger and better than that. I know how to treat people, yeah. all people, whatever race, colour, creed you are, mm. you know. I mean, the whole thing of, you know, even marrying someone from a... What background are you? Kenyan, Pakistani background. I don't know. <laughs> he doesn't, he, you know. Because I hate he, that, you yeah, know. Um, and so, you know, I, I just treat people as people and, mm. and that's it. Mm. And so I cook roast dinners and I cook Indian food and I cook Jamaican food and... I've had food from your Dutch pot, auntie. It's, it's delicious. <laughs> you know, I have to put yeah. it out there. Yeah. 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 So you still remember that. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. You know, that those days will come again when we can all meet yeah. and, and mm. cook and share and whatever. I look forward to it. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, seriously, I mean, assimilating into the culture is more of like, you know, when you go shopping and you look for something and you pick this and you pick that. And you think, I don't really fancy that. I don't want that. And that's about, that's it with the culture for me. Mm, I pick yeah. things from it. Yeah. And other things I can leave out, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Auntie Colleen, um, you mentioned just now that, um, you know, growing up um, or in your younger years, um, when you met, I see from, you know, you two started um, dating and whatever else, um, that was, yeah, I guess that was something that was unusual in in the uk back then because i guess back then even sort of like most mixed race relationships would have been between yeah. maybe somebody that's black or asian with somebody that's white but in your case it's yeah. um two non-white um people in a relationship together so um yeah just sort of talk to us about sort of what, what that was like and whether you you did sort of face kind of opposition to to your union and like where that came from was it just from british people or was it fr um, from people from your own communities as well oh well, well not only from the, my own community from my own family um okay so let's um rewind a bit i'm sort of mixed so my dad is jamaican indian okay 
Yeah. And mm-hmm. my mum's black. Mm-hmm. So even back in those days, yeah. they faced prejudice. Yeah. Yeah. And then fast forward to when I'm introducing, or oh, I took a photo of, this is my fiance and showed it in Jamaica. And one of my cousins piped up was, what, you're bringing the coolie back in the family? <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I'm like, but I've never seen, well, I don't look at coolie as derogatory. Mm-hmm. Um, I know a lot of people do, but for me, I don't. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I know who I am. Mm-hmm. I know I don't work in a field. I know I'm not a labourer. Right. I'm part Indian. I'm mixed. So when I met Asif and we were at school together, it was a whole different thing to when he said, all right, let's do this seriously now. We're older. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's proper date now. And, um, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I don't know if Asif wants to take up the story where his mum wanted to inspect me to see who I am. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so... For for them, obviously That's how you they used to do it. Yeah, I'm I'm termed as a, a Jamaican woman, a mm. Jamaican young woman. Mm. And for them it was like, You this is a, a black you've got a black girlfriend. Mm. So Asif had to bring his mum because back then I used to help out one of my friends in, in her um she was a pharmacist, so we used to help her out because she was needing some help in her shop. And I worked there on a Saturday afternoon. Asif brought his mum there. I didn't know it was his mum. I didn't see Asif. I know that somebody came in. I was polite as usual to this customer. And then she left the shop. My friend went out afterwards and then came back in and said to me, there's a woman outside that was asking me like 20 questions about you. (laughs) I didn't know this was my future mother-in-law. So when we then you know, took it a step further and I was, you can come to the house and meet the rest of the family. And my father-in-law was like, a black woman, I don't want nothing to do with my son and her or whatever. And I remember walking in their house and he was sitting in one room. You know, back in, I mean, it's the same in most cultures. You have this front room where yeah. <laughs> only special guests go mm, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's not where he would normally sit, but he sat in the front room because he didn't want to interact with all the rest of us, what was going on. And Asif was introducing me to the rest of the family. And I walked in. I, I said to Asif, how do I greet them? So I learned to say, salam alaikum. Mm-hmm. So I walked in and said that to him and he turned his face away. And looked to the other side of the room. I thought, okay, no problem. Let's carry on. And um, I went round and spoke to the rest of the family, which is like his brothers and sister. You already knew. Yeah. I already knew his sister because she went to the same school as us. So, um, yeah. So that was the first introduction. Fast forward many years later. This is my father-in-law. When I used to go to the house after Bill was born and all of these things, we've been married, we're settled down. I used to go in and sit with him and chat with him, and he would sometimes just ignore Asif and carry on a conversation with me. Was your best friend? Yeah, because <laughs> he accepted me for who I am. Yeah. And um, some of the family, you know, Asif's extended family, are still on on a beef of like. Ooh, he married a black woman. What's the word? Kali? Kali. Yeah. yeah. And and I wouldn't I would know. They would say the word and I would know they're mm. talking about me. Mm. But mm. I just think, you know what? 
that's your problem. Mm. I'm who I am. Yeah. <laughs> this is you, you know your cousin chose me, and we're happy together. Mm. No, this is our child. And the rest of the family accepted us. It's really interesting, sort of, this conversation about, you know, get who who you get racialized as in the world. And I think mm. this week, this week in particular, right? Like we've seen the, the documentary with Oprah oh, and Jesus, Meghan Markle yeah. and mm. Prince Harry, and sort of, you know, as even a white passing mixed race woman, how Meghan Markle has been vilified by the family and in the mm. press for being a black woman. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's just really interesting hearing sort of your story which is in a way similar that i'm a mixed race woman yeah but i've all well when i i don't know when when you came here was seen as a black woman yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. Mm. there's another interesting element to that actually which is i guess like an interfaith thing did that kind of play a part as well the interfaith thing yeah yeah, because, you know, I mean... When, that was a wee old When Asif proposed to me, I was oh. thinking, oh, my gosh, where are we going to get married? How are we going to get married? Da, 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 da. I would really like to have one of them fancy church weddings and whatever. But what about his family? Can we tell his family? And, you know, all of this was playing in my mind. Lo and behold, Asif actually went to the church where, you know, my local church back then. And after service, he spoke to the pastor there to say, oh, look... Wow. Yeah, and he did it, and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's actually going to happen. Because <laughs> Quaker, I suppose there, well, there was anyway an interfaith sort of element with your marriage, right? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's there are some similarities in that I can oh, recognize yeah. from my own experience as well, um, and not even just from an interfaith perspective, but even from being from different cultures, myself being Ghanaian, and then my wife being um, Somali. There oh, were okay. there was a, a slight. Um, yeah. I don't go too much in de- into detail, but there was some <laughs> some kind of like friction with um certain members of her family and stuff, which uh thankfully we did get over and similar to you actually like ended up being like really, you know, good with like the majority of her family anyway. Yeah. So um it is it, yeah, it, it did kind of ring true for me as well. And the interfaith element, um yeah it's that whole thing of you have to change to be one or the other mm-hmm. and to be honest with you yeah yeah as if and i did have that conversation to say what if we did have children we have to bring them up as one thing or the other mm-hmm. um and so i said to us if you know what okay fine let's do this muslim thing and we'll go and see an imam we'll uh you know i'll see because i was feeling some pressure from his parents i would say mainly and um, I'd say probably direct, direct, um, yeah, direct brothers and sister, sister-in-laws as well, uh, of, of like, well, you could convert. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm open-minded. Let's see. Mm-hmm. At that time, I wasn't a strong practicing Christian. And I was thinking, all right, let's go see this imam thing. And Asif wasn't a practicing Muslim. And the reception we got was... Oh, my God. It was just not suitable for us mm. and what we yeah. wanted. Yeah. And even Asif recognised and think, you know, as a woman, you're being treated in a really bad way here. Mm. Um, mm. This is not what we want. And so we just left mm. um, and sort of drifted in and out of Christianity for, for years mm. and um, and decided we got married in the church. When we got married, it was only Asif's brother that turned up, you mm. know, from the side mm. of the family. Mm. And again, I'm just sort of thinking, you know what? That's your loss. Yeah. You know, if that's yeah. how you want, want to behave, 
then that's fine. You've lost out on seeing your son get married, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Auntie, can I I just ask about, like, I guess the the eventual point of acceptance from some of uncle's family like was it was it Bilal coming around that led to that or what was was there like a turning point that you oh, remember well, even before Bilal came around I think what happened was I stayed true to who I, I am yeah as if they could see that as if and I were in love we got on well we there wasn't any major upheavals in our household and they just tolerated and think okay that's who they are. Okay. You know, she's not going to convert. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I mean, I used to wear um, proper, you know, clothing when I was going to visit them. His mum would make the effort of making me some outfits and I would wear them. And But it's extended family. And there's one auntie and uncle in particular who, I mean, obviously they're not going to listen to this or some of their future um grandchildren might not listen to this but even if they do I mean I don't care but how they actually would speak or ignore me totally blank me in the room it's like hello I'm here and and they were like okay overlooked me and I thought you know what I don't really need to deal with you lot either because you treat your nephew the same way so anyway um and then when Bilal then came along it was like, oh, wow, you know, we've got a grandchild. And right. and so it was... There was this question, exactly like Marco. Meghan how Markle. dark is your child going to be? Yeah. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So yeah. I can sympathize with that question. Wow. Yeah. yeah, it was. And it's the funny thing the was, shock to the system then when, when Bilal you. was born... He was fairer than Me. both his parents. And <laughs> and I think they were looking at it thinking, oh, what is going on? What? <laughs> I had to say, you know what? If you saw my dad, you'd realise why, you know, mm. my my son has taken after his grandfather, right, you yeah. know, in yeah, yeah. being very, very fair. And, mm. um, but my mother-in-law, I mean, she was the loveliest, loveliest woman, you know? I mean, I, I always say that she was a bit, ahead of her times in in how she accepted people in her family mm. and how she treated people i remember i mean when asif's illnesses was going on and on and on she would come to the hospital and visit and then she would say to bilal come 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 to my house let me make you some samosas and you know she'd shower him with um food and and look after him there until i finish at the hospital mm. so you know and and my father-in-law equally, when, when he was terminally ill, I was doing all the running around, taking him to his appointments and, you know, and just mucking in. Yeah, you know, yeah. we didn't live far away from them, so we could visit often. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bilal, sorry, I was just going to, yeah, it's just interesting to hear from obviously um, your parents' perspective, but I guess from you growing up, did you kind of notice any any of that kind of dynamic of, maybe being seen differently to like your cousins or yeah yeah for sure um one of my cousins who's oh man it's weird calling him my cousin because i just think of him as a mug but this guy (laughs) yeah he called me the n-word for just out of nowhere as kids you know you're just playing and you're and and yeah and he oh it's mad and i um i don't lose my temper that much but when i do it's a bit mad i remember like dragging him up as a child and I was thinking, well, he's little, so where did he get that idea from? 
you mm. know and that made me if anything sort of hyper visible in my difference in the family mm. and it was always I think we you know your the podcast with your dad Quakey one of the big conversations was about language and language being a barrier to like acceptance within a culture or feeling like you belong within a culture yeah for sure and my dad's family all speak even my cousins who are like the same mm. generation as me all speak in a different language to me so like I've only been brought up to speak English and I never understood what they were saying um and I never really knew that like, my grandma spoke very very limited English as well so I did feel because of that there was also like that restriction mm. on my ability to belong as part of the culture and I think because also like my mom said you know my nan her auntie um brought me up and did a lot of that yeah. and I spent 95% of my life with um Jamaican my, with Jamaican culture and Jamaican people so I, mm. I just felt like that was who I am and that was more of where I was whereas I'd visit my dad's family for like Eid or just randomly you know mm. but it wasn't right. like I felt that they were my close-knit family and even to mm. today I don't really keep in touch with, yeah. I don't have any contact with anyone um, on my dad's side mm. of the family. So, yeah. But there's a couple, they are okay. Yeah, they're cool. There's a I couple mean, people. Cool. Ryan. Yeah, a cup, yeah. One, one of my dad's cousins actually dropped off some cupcakes for me this week, you know. Which oh, is nice. So, yeah, they're cool I was, people. I was just going to say, it's, it's very interesting, like, um, this whole conversation that we're having around um, sort of how all of these different cultures, um, sort of came together as a melting pot in in the UK and obviously yeah. your your relationship is test testament to that as well but also like how um because there's been like talk about this week um the c word um the commonwealth um which I, I have really hate the whole concept of that but like obviously after the the Meghan Markle interview and the Queen talking about how you know they're not they're not racist and you know she's been the head of the commonwealth for how many years blah 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 but like um all of this kind of it's it, it's just it's very interesting to me how we have all these different cultures that um came to the uk um and and that's largely because of the the influence of colonialism and the british empire and mm -hmm. how you know these kind of um um frictions and conflicts exist and these racial labels that we give each other as well um, and the and the sort of stereotypes that we kind of um, we're taught about these other communities that's all something that um, it's it's not actually not of us it's stuff stuff that's been taught to us by you know this kind of post colonial experience that we have so yes yeah, it's, it's just sort of mad how these sort of divisions um, have sort of remained for so long as well um, and I, I I guess it's just really important that we just kind of like you two have done just kind of um seeing the value of you know your individual relationships and not kind of bought into these sort of stereotypes and lies and whatever that have been told about all of us and just kind of you know done your own thing and on your own terms so i think that's yeah, yeah. it's really commendable you guys um especially like doing that in in boy in like in the 70s as well like i can't even imagine <laughs> yeah well <Where, where, laughs> like you like you've touched on i mean what when you walk down the street when you saw a mixed couple it was predominantly black and white mm. and and so we used to in the early days get looks mm. i mean i remember when Bella was little we were, they thought we, you were a babysitter we, yeah i they they looked at me and thought i was his babysitter or his nanny you know <laughs> yeah yeah when we went to when we went to to Florida on holiday once, and he met my mum. Mm. I mean, and my mum is very very dark. Um, 
when when he ran in the shopping mall behind her going grandma grandma they they, they look people are looking at him like what <laughs> who's he calling grandma you know yeah, and it, yeah. you know so the whole thing that you know that sort of preconception in people's minds still exists it's out there yeah mm. and i think people need to be educated and it needs to be talked about and it's the constant talking mm. that sometimes wear us black people down we're just like man we've lived this we're tired of talking about it mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. just can't you understand what we're saying yeah yeah but i don't get hung up in that and caught up in it mm. you know i do my thing and like i say i accept people for who they are mm. and i I feel enriched, like you say, with this melting pot that we're in in London. Mm. I mean, I have I've been to Romania because I've accepted Romanian people in my family and mm. experienced Romanian culture and Romanian food, and mm. you know, and you know, and so I've got a Polish neighbour and I yeah. chat to them and get food from them, and you know, and so for me, mm. it's that acceptance, and if everybody sort of start doing that a bit more. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm just curious because we're coming up to about like the hour here and um, one of the things that I'm always interested in and it's always in winter is why the hell am I in this country man when it's bare cold <laughs> yeah. it's I, dark. Want to, I want to ask um, this as well actually <laughs> yeah. and I'm thinking who the hell in my family decided to come here like why, why am I here man and like yeah. often you know I think oh, I'd love to pick up myself and move yeah. but as much as I'd love to pick up myself and my move, dream I'm here. But both of you yeah. have been here for what, 40 something years? 40 odd. 40, or... 40 something. No, going on 50. nearly 50 years. Close to 50 years. Yeah. Um, yeah. Why are you still here? <laughs> Excuse I me, know. I was born here. <laughs> My auntie <laughs> I'll be honest yeah. with you. If I, if I could, yeah. seriously, if it wasn't for my health, mm. I would be gone. Mm. And the two. I mean, the one country I love would love to go to would be, well, I find Jamaica very comfortable to live in. Mm -hmm. Because Kenya, I think I would probably, but because I haven't been, I hadn't been there for so many years, I've lost that part of me. Mm. But I would like to visit a couple of. But Jamaica, if somebody gave me the opportunity and I was like as fit as you guys, I'd be gone. Mm. Um, Seriously, okay. I would go. I, I'd love, I love it there. Okay, so that's where we then separate because I'm. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, uh, many years ago, I was working for American Airlines and my manager gave me the opportunity to transfer to me, uh, transfer me to Miami. Okay. Everything. Yeah. And what? I just said, no, I'm not. She wouldn't have it. She <laughs> said, I don't want to be crossing the road and be looking on the wrong side exactly. and get run over. And learning, <laughs> that was an excuse. And also the thing about learning to drive on the other side of the road. I mean, no offence to all you Americans out there listening, but I'm just, you it know. Was just, oh, it was, oh, uh, it it's was just, just a new weather. culture. Yeah. I'm not used Even to that. Even though you had your sister, the but, only sister. Yeah. But So what? what is it about, I don't know. What is it? So you want to leave, but you wouldn't. Leave. I like the melting pot. Yeah, she, she, yeah? she likes the cold weather. <laughs> I, I, I like the change in weather. I like the change in climate. I like the fact that, you know what, when I'm really, really tired of it being 31 degrees and I'm having to open my front door and my back door to get some wind through in, in Neasden mm. and the wind is blowing hot and I'm yeah, thinking... But that's this country. And I'm in thinking, Jamaica, you, know you wouldn't have to do that. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know what, at least 
at least there's going to be winter time when yeah. I can just snuggle up oh or go walk God. outside when it's <laughs> yeah. and cold. And go and put the heating on, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or put the heating on. one of the things that I often think about, you know, is like, like migration is such a key part of our stories. Mm. And particularly in like, like our generation, you know, like all of us on this podcast, like wouldn't be in Britain if people in our family hadn't moved. And there's that scene in Black Panther in it where, um, was it? It's, it's like Killmonger's dad. I can't remember his name. What's the guy? Killmonger's dad um, is mm. in America and has him as a kid in America. And when he goes back to the ancestral plane, his ancestral plane is that room in America, right? Mm, mm. But then he's like, but it's like dead and lost and cold. And there's always this question of like where you fit. You know, like, where is home? Um, mm, mm. Where do you call home? What, what, uh, okay. When I went to Kenya um, and I stayed in Mombasa and I liked it there. The now, the, the, the people are friendly. The, the, the culture's different. I mean, I didn't really get to understand a lot of the culture anyway. But we, we went up to Nairobi and spent uh, um, w- some time with a friend of Asif's auntie because well, we, uh, we didn't even know this lady but she was so warm and welcoming and you know she just loved us and even to this day now I keep in touch with her and you know the thing that Asif tells me about you know when he was growing up and you know how Kenya was is sort of similar to how Jamaica was mm-hmm. when I was growing up a little you know you put your hand up in the classroom or you know you asked to be excused from the class to go out if you needed to go outside and you, you know the, the whole thing like for example when we went back to Jamaica the first time we went there on holiday and I hadn't oh, been gosh. there for years and years and years we we're going to the local shop for something and Asif took a carrier bag with him and I'm like where are, you, where are you going with a carrier bag I didn't even know or remember that no you have to take your own bags with you <laughs> yeah so so yeah. there was lots of things where I mean I think I grew up there and things have moved on there. And when I go back to Jamaica on holiday, I love going on holiday. Right, yeah. yeah. I love seeing my mum. I love the experience and the food and the, the beach and the, the hillside. The and, temporary thing. You know, reggae falls and, you know, driving on the, the bumpy roads and everything. Yeah. But for me to live there constantly, I mean, these two will tell you, when I go out there, I complain like mad about the heat. <laughs> <laughs> the mosquitoes, the lizards. You know, whereabouts, also... whereabouts in Jamaica your family from? My family from St. Thomas. Oh, okay, so, okay. So mainly like York, Seaford area. So yeah. right, yeah. okay, yeah. Because my my dad's from uh, my dad's family's from uh, Manchester, Mandeville. So at oh, least okay. at least up there it's a bit cooler. But yeah, that's I know, right. I know, yeah, yeah. But know. yeah, but the whole thing. I mean, I wouldn't say I would go and live in Jamaica or I would live in Kenya. But and I like the the fact of being in London because I can't speak broadly about Britain and the rest of the UK. Right. Yeah. But being in London, where you can interact with so many different people and culture, mm. um, I like that aspect of it. Not and, I, and I can take it or leave it. Yeah, mm. I can take people or leave people, mm. depending on how they are to me and how they approach me. Sure. Mm. Sure. Was it Quaker? Quaker, you spent a bit of time in Kenya, no? Yeah, I spent oof, like three months or so. Yeah. But I was actually in the 
like the what's it rift valley region so oh that beautiful place oh my god it's so beautiful i was all right tell me yeah where all the tea plantations and everything are Mm -hmm. um and it's a lot cooler up there as well compared to like nairobi which is very cool yes i love i'll proper loved out there um particularly having come from um like london and having just graduated from cambridge and nearly immediately maybe after like the first week forgetting that i was black <laughs> like literally just blending yeah. in not yeah. having to like feel different even though obviously like culturally i'm from ghana but like even in you know east africa being a black person there's so many similarities unnoticed with my upbringing in a Ghanaian household mm. and just being able to navigate that area just feeling free not feeling like having to consider issues about race or how i'm perceived and no, things like no. that like is it was it was very like it was a really eye-opening experience as well um because prior to that i'd only been back to ghana once um wow yeah so it was it was it was amazing but one thing i'd say about that as well is um is a strange one like because i've been talking to my wife like recently quite a lot about the potential of working and living somewhere else um and like working remotely and i think there is at times there is that kind of fear of like the fear of missing out and you know particularly coming from london very uh like a cosmopolitan area like just diversity of it etc is like oh like i'm kind of i'm kind of gonna miss the urban jungle type thing you but... won't you won't miss it quicker trust me you won't miss it i say this from experience <laughs> Tom, you won't miss it. tom's got um, his biking boots on ready to yeah. go trust me. <laughs> you know um yeah man, like i'm yeah uh, do you know what i'd say here yeah, i was because i've about that about i'd just say like yeah i think i think london is there's no place like london or like new york tokyo but i do think but i do think it can be overrated Mm -hmm. and i think i think for you to enjoy london you need to be making a large amount of coin like to properly enjoy it and not feel weighed down by the world that we live in do you Mm -hmm. know what i mean Mm -hmm. whereas i have no regrets about making my move over to switzerland at all Mm -hmm. i thought i would the, you know, I don't really get homesick. Obviously, yeah, I miss mum and dad sometimes and you, man, and auntie and uncle. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I miss yeah. I miss seeing you and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But obviously, it's not hard. Once yeah. COVID is done, it's an hour and 30 flight minute away. So that's yeah. that's done. Mm-hmm. But I don't actually miss. And I, I get the impression that London can just be bad vibes sometimes. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, we spoke true. about it, like the covert racism that goes on, not just in London, but the UK in general, kind of mm. attitudes towards people of colour. Um, and there's, I think there's like a very insidious relationship uh, with the UK and I don't even like to say Commonwealth countries, but that's the only way I can phrase it, to be honest. There is this weird insidious relationship and therefore from people who are children of people who come from countries and quote Commonwealth, unquote. So I, yeah, mm. trust me, if you choose to leave the UK and it sounds like you're having a discussion, you won't, you won't get, you won't even be mad. Even if you go to a more like rural area, trust me, you won't yeah. miss much, you mm. know? So. I, was, I was just going to say um, that thing about sort of the the racism in in, in the UK and like the way right, I basically I would say that you know like when you go elsewhere it's not like when you go there anti-blackness doesn't exist anymore or whatever but the thing that I really struggle with in London is like um, this thing of how as British people black British people we're sort of told that we should be happy for what we are 
sort of given in, in, in the UK. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's like we're being fed poison and it's like, you should be grateful for this poison. And I think that's the, the thing that I really struggle with. Um, whereas like when you go to other places, it's obviously there will be anti-blackness there, but it's like, at least from what I experience, it's not like this expectation that you're at least supposed to yeah. be grateful for it. And it's like, and it's also, do you know what I mean? If it, it just here in the UK, you go kind of go mad because it's like, you're constantly being gaslit. You'll complain that this is not, okay or something's going wrong with this or you know um mm. race relation whatever and then people will turn around and say you know that's not true this is the yeah, least yeah, racist yeah, country yeah, yeah. in the world and it's like that for me that's what makes me go mad because it's like how can we be grateful for this like this is no. do you know what i mean yeah. like i'd say just one more thing to say and i think it's also the the i think it's the fact that given that this is our home, a lot of the time, it's not meant, we don't feel like it is our home. Yeah, that exactly. makes sense. Mm. So when I go somewhere else and I wasn't born and raised and they look at me funny, I'm like, cool. I, can't, I don't understand the cultural dynamics. I just have to accept it then and there. Mm. But here, yeah. being born in the UK and still people looking at you funny mm. or people not accepting you yeah. as, you're not, you know, you're not English, English. As I think mm. um, someone said that about, uh, one. Of, I think it was, Roger Moore said that about um, Idris Elba in terms of why he couldn't be uh, bombed. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like, we get that kind of side eye, like, okay, you're born here, but, like, it's the question, mm. where are you really from? Mm. Do you know what I mean? British um, with an asterisk. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's always some conditionality as mm. to yeah. me being here. But when I move out, I didn't feel that pressure. It was, like, cool, because I get judged on a very different barometer. It's like, okay, where are you from? What school mm. did you go to? Blah, 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 blah. Okay, cool. Then they look at you differently. Sure, I might get a side eye or two, but London now, it's like, you know the the, the, the maddest like, thing is is when you get yeah. looks from people that aren't even born and raised in London that's yeah, what makes me like, go mad it's mad I'm like, it's you're mad. not even like you're yeah. looking at me as if I don't belong you're from somewhere from somewhere elsewhere in the UK like not to and be like people, people yeah. like yeah. regionalists or anything like that people complain about um, people yeah. complain about gentrification well, nah, and whatever that um, maddens like, me so mad. much but anyway, this is this, Patrick. This is not for me and you. This is not. Yeah, our regular no, podcast. no, We've no. Got no, two no. special guests. <laughs> sorry, Auntie and Uncle. Sorry, yeah, sorry. but um, <laughs> I think the thing is, I mean, for example, like, I mean, not that I take Ubers anymore or, or, or mini cabs, but I remember back in the day, um, when some, ta- I mean, mini cab driver then was saying to me, "Oh, but where are you from?" And I'm like, mm-hmm. "Well, where do you think I'm from then?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> thinking, that question. <laughs> you're fine. You ask me a question. I'm throwing it back at you, and then they start telling me places like. Sri Lanka or Maldives and, and I was sitting there thinking, rah, I wish I was the mold from the Maldives. I'd like to go there to see what it's like, you know. <laughs> but I'm thinking, when I go to Jamaica, I mean, I remember one time my mum saying to me, no, 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 you can't go looking like that. you got to do your hair different. And I'm like, she said, you know what, go next door to the lady to do your hair. And I'm like, I've done my hair all the time, all my life, since I've been whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm now 20 on and you're telling me somebody else needs to do my hair. She said, no, because you look different. And I'm like, if you're telling me in Jamaica I'm looking different, and if in London people are asking me where I'm from, you know what? I don't care about any of this. I'm really <laughs> glad to be the age I am now, yeah? yeah? Where you guys, you know, you've got a, well, a good 20-odd more years to go to start maybe f- sort of feeling, you know what, sod all of this. You know, <laughs> it's your problem. It ain't my problem no more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? yeah. <laughs> and it's about feeling that sort of, like, maturity and, like, assertiveness and thinking you know what 
Yeah. Child can't be dealing with this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just conscious that um, you know, we've gone over time here, which is great. It's always good to have these extended discussions. And um Bosses. Yeah, got a son to get back to as yeah. well. <laughs> Before we sort of wrap up, I just thought, you know, because I get to speak to my parents all the time. Is there any last one or two questions maybe from any of you guys? Yeah, so I mean, obviously you lot are, auntie and uncle, you lot are grandparents now. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't know, it's a, it's a bit like of an abstract question, but how like the experiences that you've had and that you sh- you've kindly shared with us on the show, like... How are you going to tell, you know, young baby, we won't say his name because Bilal hasn't put it out, but are you going to tell young baby, like, uh, you know, about the lessons you've you've raised and how are you planning to, because grandparents do raise grandchildren. So how are you planning to raise, you know, young baby and, and in oh. light of all the things that you've, you've said on here today? Well, I'm very much into family history yeah? and it's, it's an ongoing research I'm doing. And, um, and I've said this to Bilal as well, never forget your roots. Yeah. And I think when when baby was born, um, one of my um, distant cousin put out there that, yeah, you've got part of the Puran genes, gene in you. And Puran is one of my forefathers, well, my grandparent, grandmother's name. Anyway, from that side of the family, from, from India. And so for me, it's about instilling in baby and ha- as baby grows up, <laughs> where you're from where your forefathers were from mm. and who you really are yeah um it's sort of like you stand on the shoulders of people that have gone before you mm. yeah and your makeup isn't just of me and asif mm. it's also of bella's partner's family mm-hmm. and you know recognizing that you know the sky's your limit, really. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm looking forward to if I go to the park with this grandchild of mine, <laughs> and people look look at me again and think, "Oh, is that the nanny?" <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I'm just sort of thinking, well, you know what? Whatever. You know, I'll do my best for this. Just child. take it at one yeah. day at a time. And mm. and this new family as well. I just yeah, want to support them in every way I can. One day at a time. Cool. You know? Yeah. Can't I, I haven't made no plans. I just you know, every I haven't seen him for a week till today and he already looks different. <laughs> so <laughs> you know you've got to cherish every moment, man. Exactly. 100%. So I'm just gonna take it as it comes, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because oh, the world scary. changes every day, something new, so mm. I'm not a person mm. for plans. <laughs> I'm week one, it goes wrong. So, yes. yeah. With with that, then, man, I just want to say thank you, thank yeah. you for welcome. joining us today. It's been really, I think, it's it's like, and you know, I'm sure we said this all the time, but it's like you know when you speak about things a lot, but then you hear them from your own parents. It's kind of validating mm. to know that I'm not alone in some of the things that yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I want to say a big thank you to you You're both welcome. for thank joining us. Yeah. Nice to be here. Yeah. Nice to see you I, guys. I listen to yeah. you guys and I really, I really love she listening to you. you. Oh, yeah. 
and I'm, I'm just so proud of all of you and what oh. you're doing. And, you know, keep keep aiming high. Yeah. It's That's always good to know that we got one listener. Hey, <laughs> one listener is our own. Anyway, with that, I want to say as usual, man, a special thank you to our listeners. Hope you enjoyed the show. As ever, um, get at us on the socials at OTB Podcast UK on Twitter and Instagram, or send us an email OTB Podcast UK at gmail.com um, that's the second in our little four part series where we're bringing our own families on to have that intergenerational conversation and um, thank you again have a good rest of your day week month or year and we'll see you again soon Bye.